Thank you, Pastor Bowen, and thank you to everyone for your warm welcome. It is indeed a pleasure to be here, especially on Mother's Day. And um, it's so good to have my kids with me. Does my mom's heart a lot of good? And um, he's right. That little grandson, David, when he says, Gigi, oh, he's the boss. Whatever he wants, that's what we're going to do. But I am so grateful to be here, and I'm thankful uh, for the legacy that I have that was handed down from my mom. And um, it was her total devotion to Jesus Christ and her love for him that made me want to know him and at all costs to live my life for him. And so, and I've been nurtured well from uh, so many women in my life, and I'm so forever grateful. Let's pray this morning as we get ready to uh, open the word of God. Lord Jesus, we're thankful to be in your house. We're thankful for this day. And I just ask that you would be here and your anointing would rest and our ears would be open, our hearts would be tender to hear from you and that you would encourage us and strengthen us in your name. Amen. So today, as I thought about what are we going to talk about and what am I prepping for, I thought about my three girls and what do I want them to know and what do I want them inherently to carry with them. And I came to this whole thing of, I want them to understand how incredibly beautiful they are, but I also want them to understand how incredibly powerful they are. And it was at this uh, kind of teeter-tottering thing that I began to look and pray. And as every good story does, I want to start at the beginning. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then in Genesis 1, verse 31, the first part of that scripture says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Woman is beautiful. She's made in the image of God. And woman is powerful. She's made to nourish and to nurture life. And with this is where we went to look, and I couldn't help but be so intrigued as I read the scriptures that when woman came, Adam gives her a name, and he says, woman, she's part of me. And I think he was pretty impressed, and he said, she's part of me, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. But then we know that the enemy came through the serpent, and it began to hiss in her ear and say, but... There's things been withheld from you. You're not all that you could be or you need to be. And with that, we know that Eve, she listened. She took that fruit that the Lord had commanded that they not do. And with that came sin. But I'm so thankful that even though they had the curse of sin, God still said, you are designed by me with a plan and a purpose. And so women, when we blow it, we completely mess it up. Our designer says, I still have a fantastic plan for you. And that is to carry life, nurture, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual. And for that, I am so glad. And because, you know, Eve got a, a little bit of a name change. She went from just woman to the mother of all living. And that is quite a title and that is powerful. And if there's anything that I hope that you get in your spirit, you are made in the image of God. And he gave with you an incredible power to nourish and nurture life. Women are uniquely designed by God to nourish, nurture, and protect. 
If we're not, if we listen to the hiss of the enemy, he will try to steal that. And in today's world, when we're, there can be confusion about what is women, what are our role and what is our importance? I, I go back to your maker. You are vitally important because you're made in his image. And don't let the, don't let those hisses steal from you. God's plan for you. My mom as I said before, is an incredible woman of God. She is one of those women that has so, incur- so incredibly just embraced her ability to nurture. And sometimes it made me feel so inferior. I was never quite sure I was going to have the characteristics to quite live up to that mother status. And, and sometimes I still don't. Um, but she could nurture anything. And I know you know women like this. If you're going to eat, they're going to feed you. They're going to keep you fed. They're going to, my mom could nurture Babies, if they're in the room, grab them first because after that, they're all hers. She would also nurture animals, stay awake all night long, you know, bottle feeding those little things, whether it was a dog or a kitten or whatever it was, plants, it doesn't matter. And I see the beauty of women in the way that they nurture. My mom would take those dead, dying plants at the back of Lowe's. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you go in there? Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, those, those dead ones that look like nobody should take them. I'm going to tell you I don't have that gift and I'm never going to pick them up because they will die and they'll be in the trash. But my mom could take them and she would bring them home and she would start to nourish them, nurture them. And before you know it, they're not dead, but they're alive and they're blooming and they're gorgeous and they would just take over everything. And I really think some of this is what the Lord says. These are some giftings that he gives to women to take it and take Take what looks like it's of nothing and nourish and nurture it until it's in full bloom. Let's look. There's three women that I want to talk about today that have some of these characteristics. And the first one is Hannah. The beauty of brokenness, the power of belief. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 6, because the Lord had chose, closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had that sickness of the soul, that heartbreak, this was Hannah. And her rival was her husband's other wife. Enough said. Two women sharing the same man never looks good. Not going to work. Well, this is Hannah, but Hannah's rival had children. And Hannah did not. And so she had this longing that was unfulfilled. But not only that, in that day and time, so many times, not only did they have this longing unfulfilled, but it was looked at as if they were cursed by God himself. So not only was she carrying the weight of being tormented by this other woman, but this whole thing of you're less than, you don't measure up. And that whispering in the ear that made, um, that made it unbearable and made her heart sick. And that cruelty was especially great when they would go up to the temple, when they would get ready to do the sacrifice and to offer uh, their worship. You know, when women, when you start giving things to God and you lay down that sacrifice, you get ready to worship, be prepared. That's sometimes when the enemy is the most cruel. In verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, this is a deep commitment because not only is she saying that she's going to commit him, but so set him apart for God's purpose and plan. If you remember Samson, he too, was, it was a Nazarite vow that no razor would come to his head. And then in verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, 
Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes favorite little line. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. So here's Hannah. She's praying and in, in anguish, pouring her heart out and gets accused of being drunk. Now she could have been bitter. And especially since Eli represented uh, God in those days to the people, she could have said, done with worship, done with pouring out my heart, turned her ears off and just said, I'm too wounded, not going to go there. But she didn't. When Eli said, go, and I pray that God will grant it to you, she got up, she went and she ate, and her face was no longer downcast. I love that because belief at that moment, nothing had happened and changed, but she knew that God had heard her. Sweet women of God, when we can come and know that God has heard us and he hears our cry, it can make all the difference. And so then as we fast forward, In Samuel 1 and verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, Hannah didn't go up to the temple for the next few years to worship because she told her husband, she said, now that I have this son, I have this baby, I'm going to wait until I wean him and then I'm going to keep my vow and I'm going to take him to the house of the Lord. And so she takes and nourishes and nurtures him. But then at the end of that time, which the weaning time was normally about three years, she takes that little guy, and my grandson is going to be three, and I'm thinking, I know she had to hug him a little more, kiss him a little more, hold that little hand, maybe um, just to take him. But she takes him to the temple, and in verse 25, when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life to be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now she's leaving him at the temple to worship. And it sounds, isn't that great? Giving him to the Lord. But I'm looking and saying, Eli was the priest and he had two sons of his own. And these sons were wicked and they had taken what was, should have been sacred and they took it for their own personal gain. And they were so evil that even later we see that the Lord is going to cut off the lineage and the legacy of Eli because of these sons. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been tempted to say, Eli didn't do so well. See, his sons turned out evil. And I would have been tempted to say, Lord, when you replace Eli and you've got somebody that does a better job with their sons, then I'll leave my son, this son I prayed for. But she didn't do it. She in her brokenness knew that she had trusted God and he was faithful and she takes Samuel and she leaves him. I love that. Beautiful and powerful in her belief that God would do what he said. The next woman I want to look at is Jochebed. The beauty of hope and the power 
of freedom. Jochebed is the mother of Moses. And in Exodus chapter 1, 22, we're going to start some of the background of Jochebed's world. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy that is born to you, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now, Pharaoh had forgotten about Joseph, but the people, the Hebrew people had grown to such numbers that they were worried they would take over. And so she is living, Jochebed is in this time of great sorrow, great fear, and great hopelessness. But then let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man in the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer, when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Now, we don't know why that she's hiding him, but we know it's of great peril to them to do so because the, the king had ordered, the pharaoh had ordered that they would kill these baby boys. Whether it was because he was getting so big and active, she had to hide him, or because Pharaoh's men were going to come and look for any parents who might be hiding him, she is trying to preserve his very life. And this is where she finds herself, and she gets this basket, and she puts the tar and the pitch on it. And then she got, the, she got it, and she placed the child in it, put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now, if you're like me, we've heard this story so many times that sometimes we forget that this mother takes this baby puts him in the basket, probably with a belly full, so hopefully he'll sleep. But she had to make that walk from her home carrying this baby to the river. And probably her heart is beating in her ears. But she takes him, she takes him to the river, and then she has to kneel down, and she has to place him in that river, and she has to let go. And not only does she have to let go, but then she has to turn around and walk away and leave him there with hope beyond hope that God somehow is going to save her baby boy. But she lets him go. And then in verse 4, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies. See, even, even Pharaoh's daughter, even though she had heard in the palace that they have to be careful because the Hebrews were dangerous, her heart is moved with compassion and protectiveness for this baby. And so she then said, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Don't you just love it? So here comes Jochebed and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Oh, wow, don't you love it when God shows up like that? Not only did Jochebed get that baby back to nurse and nourish like she had wanted, but she's getting paid for it. She is getting paid to take care of that very baby she wanted. And now she's going to nurse him and nourish him so, and, and train him. She's going to train him in things that he needs to know. And so verse 10, when the child grew older, she took him to to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So once again, we see Jochebed. She has to release her son to be adopted by the very family who had ordered and demanded his death. She had hope. 
And that when everything looked hopeless, she had to hope and she had to let him go. Because Jochebed's hope was placed in God, Moses brought a nation of slaves to freedom. Oh, that is so beautiful and it is so powerful. Let's go to the next woman, Deborah. Now, I don't know if you can have a favorite sometimes. This is my favorite. I absolutely love this story. And we're going to look at some of the background. But Deborah, the beauty of the word of God and the power of victory. Okay, let that just sink in just a moment. The beauty of the word of God and the power of victory. And so in Judges chapter 2, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies. As long as the judge lived, for the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. In Judges chapter 5 and verse 6, in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths and villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back, here it is, until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear had been seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people, praise the Lord. And then in Judges, we're going to hear a little bit more in chapter 4 about Deborah. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. And I kind of giggled. I thought, having their disputes decided, I know that's a judge, but... I couldn't help but think of how many times I had to settle disputes. Mom, they did this. She took that in my room and didn't ask. You know, all the things that happened. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm, I hear this. And so what we know is Sisera, the commander of Jabin, uh, a king that was, was taking over so many of the lands surrounding Israel, he was terrorizing Israel for up to 20 years. And it was a time of oppression, a time of violence, and of economic hardships. And this is the world that Deborah is in. And if there's any time that you could ever say, here is a woman living in a man's world, this is it. This is a woman that's surrounded by all of these things and nobody in Israel wants to take up and fight. Not only that, they're afraid because of of the Um, threat to them. They're afraid to go onto the roads for commerce and it is just not a safe environment. Then let's go and see, because we know that not only is Deborah judging and a mother to Israel, but she's also a prophet. So she hears the word of God. And so she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. And she's got this this word for him. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to the Mount of Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Now here's a man that's been called up saying, this is what God's saying. He's going to give these people, your enemies, into your hands. But then he says, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. 
talk about the place that this woman has had so that this man is saying, uh, you know, I know God's saying it, but I don't want to go without you. And I love this next. In verse 9, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, because, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak and to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went with him. So in Judges 4, we see that, that Deborah says to him, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Now, Israel's trusting her. She's trusted the word. But, you know, sometimes when we move out in authority, sometimes it's that mother's word that says, come on, go. Now's your day. Go. This is your moment. Go do it. Go take because God has gone before you. And this is where we find Deborah. She's rising up. She wasn't afraid. Yes, she was a woman in a man's world, but she stands up and she said, if God says it, we're going to do it because it's going to happen and we're going to go. And they go and God does exactly what he says he will. He says, um, Sisera's men fall by the sword and Sisera is killed by a woman just like she prophesied. Almost like an exclamation point. All the men, all his men are dead. He's fleeing and running and he runs into this tent of Jael. And so almost like the exclamation point, a tent peg and a hammer. And as he sleeps through his temples, boom. And the enemy is gone and he is out. Oh, when women will do what God asks them and tells them to do because they trust his word. I so love it. Deborah acted according to the word of God. And then a nation enjoyed victory and peace for 40 years. That is beautiful and that is powerful. If there's anything that I hope that we can take from us today, women, is that you are incredibly designed. Beautiful because you're designed from your maker. In a world that's not sure where your role is and what you do and they're confused. God's not confused. His word is full and he is for you and he's designed you. And I believe that there's a heart that needs to be heard today. It's the heart of a mother. You know, Deborah didn't have any children, but she mothered a nation. And when we will not be afraid to let the heart that God gave us to mentor and nourish and nurture those that are around us, those at work, those in our home, those that we run across in the grocery store, when we will nurture and nourish those around us, I believe that we have incredible beauty and incredible power that God himself designed for us. And so I'm hoping today that if you'll be stirred up and you won't try to hide and wonder about how God designed you because he's laid it out. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray over you. But we're going to start, and this morning, women, if you will come and join me up front, if our prayer team will come, and they'll stand up front, I want our women to come and join us. We're going to pray together. And uh, if you want to pray behind them, I welcome you, so go ahead and, and stand and make your way. Our pray, prayer team's going to come up to the front. And as we make our way... I just want to say that just like in the garden, when Eve had to bring about, come on up, don't wait, come on. She had to do the first step, and that was 
to just submit her life to her, and I couldn't help but the life she was going to carry that was going to be our promise. See, in later years, there was a, a young woman named Mary, and an angel comes and he says, in you, you're going to nourish life. And that life is going to be the hope of the world. He's going to be the Savior. And she says, may it be unto me as you have said. Women of God, if there's a place to start, it is. May it be unto me as you have said. Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't made that first step of just asking Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, today's your day. Woman, man, boy, girl. Jesus paid your price so you didn't have to, and that's your first step of surrender. And so first, I'm going to pray for anybody who would like to ask Jesus to be Lord of their life today. We're going to start there. So pray with me. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for who you are, and we're thankful that you gave your life for me. And Lord Jesus, you know I have blown it. I have messed it up. I look more like Eve than anybody. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me. And today I'm asking you to come and be Lord of my life. And I ask that you will fill me and renew me and make me new. That I will be the woman who can step out and be the woman that you've asked me to be. And Lord Jesus, you paid my debt. I deserve death, but you willingly gave it on a cross. And so now I want you to be Lord of my life. And not only did he pay that price, but he rose again and he's alive and he will live in you. And so if you made that confession today, please see one of these prayer team members and let them walk you to that next step. But now I want to bless you women. Oh, women of God, I pray in the name of Jesus that wherever you are today, whether it's with a heavy heart, because Mother's Day is hard for you for whatever reason. Maybe it's the first Mother's Day without your mom and you just desperately miss her. Or maybe it's because of the loss of a child or the ache for what has not happened. Maybe you, like Hannah, have a bitterness of soul. You can bring it to him and he will hear you. He will comfort you. Maybe you, like Jochebed, are finding that there are some things that you have to let go of because it looks hopeless in your situation and you don't know what the answer is going to be. But you can come and you can let go and you can trust him. Or maybe like Deborah, he's calling you out. And you're not over those natural children. He's birthing you and he said, I want you to stand and I want you to declare the word of the Lord to the people who will listen. And so today I ask that he will just anoint you with a mother's heart. That you will nourish and nurture the people who come into your sphere. No matter how old or how young you are. You are not too old and you are not too young to be what God has called you to be. And to be that nourishing, nurturing mother that he created you. And said you are beautiful and you are powerful. And so today, Lord, I ask that you would anoint him with this. And they will go out and this world will be more beautiful. Because we have women that are willing to yield to you and be powerful. And so in Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Amen.